The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. Coming up are two slightly different types of interviews. The first one is with uh, Chelsea Norell. Chelsea was the lead federal prosecutor on the very uh, controversial and nationally known case uh, on Ed Buck, who was finally convicted of all eight counts. And then I interview actress Sally Kirkland, who um, will talk about her experiences with the COVID-19 vaccine, uh, Moderna, and such. Um, these are different types of interviews, um, but I was very happy to uh, get exclusives from both of them. I think I was the first person that uh, Chelsea Norell uh, spoke to a day after the verdict on the Ed Buck case, so I hope you enjoy them. Assistant United States Attorney Chelsea Norell has been a federal prosecutor in Los Angeles for five years and currently is a member of the U.S. Attorney's Office Violent and Organized Crime Section. She previously served as a prosecutor in the office's international narcotics, money laundering, and racketeering section. During her prosecutorial career, she has helped target, disrupt international, interstate, and local drug trafficking organizations. Chelsea and a team of prosecutors received the Los Angeles County Bar Association 2019 Prosecutor of the Year Award for their racketeering prosecution of 51 members of the Cantaranas street gang, which committed violent crimes and drug trafficking in Santa Fe Springs area. She also has been in front lines of combating the opiate epidemic, securing convictions for traffickers and medical professionals who illegally distribute the dangerous narcotics. As the lead federal prosecutor on the very high-profile Ed Buck case, she won a guilty verdict on all nine charges, making her one of the most celebrated attorneys in recent history. Good morning, Chelsea. Thank you for being on The Blunt Post uh, with Vic this morning. How are you? Hi, Vic. Good morning. I'm excellent. How are you doing? I am well. I'm very excited and grateful to have this opportunity to speak with you. Um, as um, I've mentioned before, I've been I've been sort of intimately aware and in some ways even involved with developments uh, of, of this case since 2017. Uh, and I know some of the victim's family and such. So, you know, I don't know if it's appropriate for me to say congratulations. Um, if not, the, at least to say um, thank you for taking this landmark case and uh, getting a guilty verdict on all nine counts. Um, justice was served. Um, I know that the families, well, I know that victims won't be brought back, um, Jamal Moore and Timothy, uh, but uh, Timothy Dean, but at least justice was served. And um, I thank you and uh, if congratulations is uh, is is appropriate, then congratulations. Uh, you've definitely sort of allowed some people to sleep a little bit easier uh, going forward. So, 
I'm speaking too much. It's been, you know, Tuesday was the verdict and it's been, you know, several days by now. And uh, I just want to just ask you right now, just reflecting back in the last few days, uh, how do you feel? Thank you so much for that, Vic. I am ecstatic. I'm relieved and I'm immensely grateful that we were able to put on the case that we did with so much outpouring of support from the community and that the jury saw the facts and the evidence the same way that we did and convicted across the board very swiftly in deliberations that were just under five hours. Yeah, that that was <laughs> even even I was surprised how fast this happened. So uh, which goes to show about the kind of case, uh, your work, your diligence. It, it does seem that you you feel as victorious in a in a humbled way as we see you as victorious and we see you as sort of a hero, uh, at least in our perception. Is that how you feel too? I do. It is a victory shared with the victims who entrusted me with these deeply personal and traumatic stories, uh, with the families who steadfastly watched the proceedings and kept their faith in us and continue to watch even as the defense tried to slander their loved ones. Um, It's a victory that we share with our law enforcement partners who investigated this case. Um, And it's a victory that I share with my amazing co-counsel, Lindsay Bailey, and the support of so many people at the U.S. Attorney's Office. So, yes, I think I think we all feel quite victorious at this point. I like that. Very, very nice. Um, I want to, uh, well, let's go back to how you came to be on this case. Yeah, so honestly, I, <laughs> when this case came across my desk, I had, no idea that it was going to be uh, the high-profile sort of uh, bellwether that it that it turned out to be. I had never heard of Ed Buck, but my boss at the time, Carol Chen, knew that I was passionate about victim cases, and she uh, this case was pitched to her by the LASD, and she was gearing up for a big trial. So she asked me to evaluate it and see if it was an investigation that we could pursue federally. And were there, like, was there any, how, how fast did you find out about sort of like the significance and how this was going to become this big thing? Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I looked up at Buck after that and I looked up, um, the, the, the victims and I looked obviously through all of the, investigative materials, the witness statements, everything like that, it it, it quickly became apparent that there was a very deeply disturbing pattern here. Um, And I, I thought it was incumbent upon us to fully flesh that out and identify others that seemed to be impacted by this case that would have potentially admissible evidence that we could use it in putting this case together. Right. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I've, as I said, I've been sort of, uh, you know, following and involved in advocating for this case for such a long time. And I know that 
those of us who are not in uh, law enforcement or in prosecution, etc., we sort of want things done fast and we want justice done and all of that, especially when there were, you know, let's just call them glitches at this point prior to you taking on the case. Um, but that's not how it works, and law takes time, and it, it takes a lot of diligence to do it right, especially if you want to be victorious the way that you were. Um, how were you able to balance between sort of comforting the, the people who were following and they had such a personal connection to it, but at the same time not letting it get in the way of you doing your due diligence and therefore not compromising the case? Yeah, so a case crumbles if it doesn't have good bones. And just as a practical matter, my office goes through so many layers of review to ensure that any charging decisions are fully vetted and that we firmly believe that we can prove any case we bring beyond a reasonable doubt. So I I had to trust the public would eventually see the end result and recognize the work that had to go in on the front end and recognize that that work was worth it. Um, As a line prosecutor, my priorities are the safety of the victims and the welfare of the case. So those really had to be my guiding principle as we were facing um, sort of mounting pressure about victims who understandably uh, wanted justice and family members who wanted justice. I, I had to trust that they would eventually be vindicated by the the results in this case. Yes, and they sure were. were. So um, my next question is, uh, you know, you've just looking at your background, uh, you've done similar cases and you're definitely um, someone that advocates for human rights um, and social justice, etc. Where does there Anything that was a big surprise when you were looking through this? Any sort of eye-opening moments, even for someone like you who's very seasoned? Yeah, there were so many surprises, Dick. Uh, I couldn't possibly have predicted what I learned in the process of this case. Um, The one that resonates with me the most is the precise pattern that so many people described. People who didn't know each other, didn't know um, the scope of the case necessarily and new details that weren't disclosed in the news and just repeatedly and eerily described a ritual of going to the defendant's apartment for party and play, the specific garments and masks that defendant had them wear, the preparation of the syringes to inject them, details like the fact that Buck kept drugs in a false bottom flashlight, uh, things that you just wouldn't know if you hadn't been there. And I found myself practically able to finish their sentences by, by the end of this investigation because Buck had such a defined routine with his dates. And then when we found troves of videos that he kept on his digital devices, that just confirmed what these victims were telling me it was that that was in an even greater shock um the volume and the specificity that was confirmed uh, was really eye-opening wow i mean i know i know pretty much everything you just said but just hearing you say it again uh, i was still a little taken 
just to hear all of that once again is just uh, really unbelievable. You know, there's been there's been a lot of movement about uh, sort of social justice and um, ju- you know criminal justice reform and things like that, and we've had some. We've had some good progression and uh, we've had some good outcomes just lately. And certainly this is one that gives a lot of people hope. And I know that this question is not fair to you because it's it's a I don't know if any one person can answer to this. It more, you know, probably will take an essay. But just from your where you are, should we dare to feel a little bit more comfortable that justice does get served? <laughs> Sometimes, even for uh, people of color or people who are queer? You know, I don't know if one case can can turn a corner, um, Mm -hmm. but I do hope that it was a step in the right direction of earning the public's trust that there are passionate prosecutors out there who believe victims and want to use criminal law to vindicate their rights. What I say and do in a courtroom is not evidence. Only victims can present their accounts. And I'm just there to kind of guide their story. But we need a partnership and a mutual trust to be able to bring these tough cases. And it's incumbent upon law enforcement and prosecutors to earn that trust. Because what we ask victims to do When we ask them to come in and bare their souls and be subject to withering cross-examinations, it takes an immense amount of courage. And you cannot ask somebody to do that if they don't have faith that the system is going to work and that it's just and that justice can be served. Absolutely. And I think you um, you answered at least part of the. Uh, the answer to part of my next question, which was going to be, how do you see the broader impact of this verdict? But I think you um, you covered that with what you just said. Was there anything else you'd like to add to that? Um, with this, yeah, I, I I do. I mean, I hope the broader impact of this case is to show victims that we see you, we hear you, and we believe you. And if this makes one person more likely to call nine one one or to file a police report. Um, when they're drugged or sexually assaulted or victimized in any other way, I think that would honor the lives lost in this case and the victims who bravely came forward in the Buck case. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I thought it was really brave of a lot of, um, a lot of other guys that came forward and said that this had happened to them. Um, and started to put themselves out there because it's not easy, especially with the the judgment and the ridicule that one gets. Uh, I know that some of them were sex workers and our society tends to, um, uh, you know, demonize and uh, just judge people um, for being, you know, doing survival sex work. So I do I do applaud them for for contributing to this case. Um, and, and I'll tell you, Vic, they, they did not do it for themselves. Um, the motivating factor that each of the victims told me uh, that they had in coming forward was doing this for the two men who couldn't testify in the trial, Jamal Moore and Timothy Dean, and for their families and for their memories and to make sure that this didn't happen again. Yeah, absolutely. So this trial is over. Uh, but the case is not, and certainly the story is not. 
where do you personally go from here? And uh, are you involved in the next uh, whatever steps there are? Yes, I will definitely be involved and see this case through. The next immediate step is defendant made a Rule 29 motion, which is a motion for judgment of acquittal. And this motion is typically made at the end of the government's case and then at the close of all of the evidence. So they will brief that motion and we, the government, will respond to it. There will be a hearing on that motion. Then we will proceed to sentencing, uh, which has not been set yet. And then I expect there will be an appeal. And I and my co-counsel, Lindsay Bailey, will be involved in that, as well as our appellate counsel, Julia Reese. That's interesting to know the, you know, what comes next. Uh, is there anything that I haven't addressed that you'd like people to know uh, about this particular case? Yeah, I, I would love people to to know the immense coordinated efforts that went into this case. Um, a case of this nature cannot be investigated by just one body. Um, this was really a coordinated effort between the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department as well as FBI and DEA. And we were able to leverage resources at the state and federal level to be able to have such a comprehensive investigation. A case like this uh, it involves resources at, at every level in terms of interviewing witnesses, in terms of the sheer amount of digital device evidence. Uh, we had devices searched at the, in Quantico. Um, we had DEA. Uh, heavily involved in in the review of those devices. We had the human trafficking unit um, offering and providing services to victims. So this was truly a mammoth effort on, on behalf of many, many bodies. So I, I definitely want to take a, a moment to thank our law enforcement partners for that. It does take a a village. And finally, yes. <laughs> for the families of, of Jamel Moore and Timothy Dean and other people who were victimized by um, Ed Buck, do you have any message for them? Yeah, I think what you said at the beginning, Vic, really resonates. Uh, no verdict makes someone whole. And I'm so deeply sorry for the losses of Jamel Moore and Timothy Dean. I, I mourn with you. On, on that and our commitment to the victims in this case extends beyond any verdict and beyond sentencing. And if any of your listeners out there experienced or had a loved one who experienced uh, the trauma of, of Ed Buck, I, I would encourage you to please reach out, reach out to the sheriff's office. We want to hear your story and we want to offer services that may be available to you under the Crime Victims Rights Act. Wow, thank you for that. Thanks for adding that point. And any parting uh, thoughts before we finish? Vic, it has been an immense honor to be entrusted with oh. this case. Um, I am deeply grateful for the support of the community who came out and cheered for us as we fought every day in court. And we fought. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm appreciative of the support of the U.S. Attorney's Office that gave me the bandwidth to commit myself to this case. And even though 
everyone had to watch this from the overflow room because of COVID. I just want everyone to know we felt your love and your encouragement each and every day, and it really kept us fighting. So thank you very much. Well said. Um, thank you, Chelsea. I, I'm very grateful again, and thank you for you know sharing your experience with this with this very important and landmark case. Uh, more than a case, um, a story of people victimized and families uh, torn apart. And uh, at least there is some relief. And thanks to you. Very grateful for that. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, Vic. That was my interview with uh, U.S. Attorney Chelsea Norell, uh, who won a conviction uh, on all nine charges against uh, Ed Buck, um, who committed heinous crimes, uh, and it uh, it was a four year of torture for the victims, their families, and friends. Uh, I have been very familiar with the case and following it, and I know some of the people involved. Uh, so this was a this was a huge, huge victory for um, so many people, and I'm just really humbled and uh, just very thankful for having this interview and chatting with Chelsea. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Much, much appreciated. The Blunt Post with Vic. With 200 films under her belt, Sally Kirkland is a film, TV, and theater veteran since the 1960s and is probably best known for the film Anna, for which she garnered the Best Actress Oscar nomination and won the Best Actress Golden Globes, the Independent Spirit Award, and the LA Film Critics Circle Award. Sally's first director in 1964 was Andy Warhol in The 13 Most Beautiful Women. Her 220 films also include The Sting, The Way We Were, Coming Apart, Best of the Best, Revenge, JFK, Bruce Almighty, Coffee Date, and Archaeology of a Woman, and most recently, Cuck and Hope for the Holidays. Sally is also an exhibited painter, poet, renowned acting coach, and ordained minister. Good morning, Sally. Thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your uh, experience that unfortunately you're still going through with, um, with Moderna. The, yeah. the shot or the vaccine that you received for COVID-19. Yeah. Um, so first I want to ask you how you're feeling your health-wise as, as we are talking today. Okay, well, with the Moderna 2, the first shot was fine. With the Moderna 2, which started for me March 1st, um, if you want to be specific, it was at 1261 West 79th Street. In LA, um, uh, at 2 p.m., I was given no information ahead of time. I was simply told to show up um, at this address. I'd come on February 1st at the same address, and they said, We will send you an email in weeks. And I was hoping that that would give me some information of what to expect but the email never came. And so finally, a month, I went just on my own to the same address at the same time because my card that they gave me, my COVID-19 
vaccination record card said a month later, right? So I uh, had the shot at the, well, actually, to be honest, when I got there to the address, there was a big sign that said closed, no vaccines today. So there was nobody there. And I had a girlfriend, I don't know if you know the actor John Savage, Jerry mm-hmm. Hunter, all that. Of course. He was on his way to Dodger Stadium on March 1st to get his second vaccine. And I asked my friend, his girlfriend, if I could go with them and just chance it at Dodger Stadium. And they said yes. And we got there and we must have waited a couple of hours, maybe three. Um, seemed like thousands of people. And finally it was our turn. And they got to he, he was fine. They got to me and they said, um, Sally Kirkland, we don't have you on the computer. I said, yeah, that's correct. I was told to show up at um, 1261 West 79th. I went and nobody was there. So I'm showing up hoping that you'll take me because this is the date I'm due. So then the guy recognizes me as an actress and says, you're not the Sally Kirkland. And I said, you mean the actress? And he said, yeah. And I said, yes, I am. He said, oh, Miss Kirkland, okay. We'll do you right away. And so woman comes to the window, my right arm. And um, I would say within, I'm not answering your question, if that's okay. I'm just. That's okay. Go ahead with, with, okay. uh, with what okay. happened, because that was going to be my okay. second question. <laughs> okay. I would say within. Minutes or a half an hour, I got began to get a severe, severe headache, uh, the most severe I could remember in over six months, and uh, lightly dizzy, but mostly I was aware of the headache. And they dropped me home, and I decided to just put myself to bed and rest, not knowing what was in this shot. And um, I uh, was okay. I mean, I stayed there all day, and then that night, um, about quarter of 12 in the morning, I wanted to get up and go to the kitchen to get some water. I came in the hallway that leads from the bedroom to the living room, and suddenly the whole living room was spinning, 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 vertigo. Uh, I felt like I was falling out of a plane. I fell to the floor. I sprained my toe. I sprained my ankle, broke my toe, and was so dizzy I didn't know what to do. Could not get off of the floor because I have a titanium knee. And so I just, with my butt, I got from one side of the apartment to the kitchen where my iPhone was and was able to call the building manager and say, you gotta wake up and come get me off of the floor. So she came over, I'm still very, very dizzy, Everything swirling, and a woman named Courtney, she lifts me up, she gets me to bed, drink a lot of water, and um, we make a date that the next morning we're going to do something, and I didn't sleep, but the next morning, sure enough, she comes over at, at 8 or 9 o'clock, and we take me to urgent care in West Hollywood, and um, they don't know what to do with me. I mean, um, <laughs> that was March 1st, 
nobody really knew too much then. Can I can I um, interrupt for a second yeah. and ask you a question? Were, yeah. were you at any point, whether at the first clinic where you received your first shot, or it at Dodgers? Clinic. It wasn't a clinic. It was out in the street. Okay, the it location. The location. Okay. And then the second one, which you received at the Dodger Stadium, did anyone yeah. ever turn to you and tell you about side effects or any immediate side effects and long-term side effects of Moderna? No. That's what I was hoping the email that they promised to send me two weeks after the first shot would tell me. But no email came. And so I just wanted to get it over with. You know, because my card said February 1st, March 1st. So there I am in urgent care, and uh, I can't remember. They gave me some kind of medication for dizziness. They didn't know what to do with the vertigo. I, I couldn't stand up or balance or anything. And, and there was pain, uh, like I said, severe headache, and throughout my body, and nausea. Lot of nausea thing. Oh. Um, that nausea lasted for three months, but anyway, it started that day, and um, so I came back. And oh, damn it, everyone's calling me. I I called my medical doctor, who I've been with twenty five years, and I described what was going on, and he said, "Oh, what to do? I don't know how to treat you. We don't." have any patients that are describing this and I said well I don't know whether to go to ER I, I don't know what to do and he said um, maybe you should go to ER well I Sally Kirkland can't stand going to ER okay mm -hmm. um, I, I was in no shape to sit for a long time I just wanted to lie down and uh, frankly be on painkillers Anyway, excuse me, excuse me, swearing. Um, so that was the beginning bit, and every day after that, I had vertigo, not as bad as the first night, where the whole apartment was just swirling around and around and around, broken toe, sprained ankle, but enough so that I would not be able to get up and move around without the uh, swirling and the, and the uh, no balance and the dizziness. And pain and one of the one of the things I want to point out is uh, something that stood out when you said it that the doctor said we've never had anyone that has experienced this before. I kind of have a hard time believing that because ever since the fact vaccines came out, we've heard about uh, side effects, different types of side effects uh, for different people. So I don't know how I feel about a doctor telling you that uh, we don't know what to do with you because no one else has had this happen to them. Right, very frustrating. I was given by my medical doctor something called meclizine, M-E-C-L-I-Z-I-N-E, that was supposed to stop the dizziness. But I was also told by the pharmacist, don't do it at night because I've always taken one sleeping pill in my life, my adult life. And he said, you can't do the two. So I chose the one sleeping pill to get through the night, and uh, I only did the meclizine during the day, even though I was busy at night. But yeah, you're right. They, he was at a loss. He didn't know what to tell me. Um, I also go to alternative health practitioners, 
and they gave me various supplements and megavitamin therapies and take thousands of milligrams of C and D and zinc. And I don't have them all in front of me, but various supplements that would just get my immune system as strong as I could possibly get it while this was happening. Now I have to interrupt myself. Months later, I'm talking to Linda McKenzie, who runs www.healthylife.net, where I've had a show 15 years, and she's an expert in uh, alternative health. She said that she had read on the Moderna website very early on, I want to say September, except that seems so early, but she's somebody who has spent 30 years with health journalism, right? And she said she read in small print, if you have had autoimmune illness, do not take Moderna too. Okay, so I did have autoimmune illness in the 90s with my silicone poisoning. I don't know if you remember, I spoke out to the press. Right. I had, a, you know, silicone implants and I got just missed breast cancer and was ill for a year. Anyway, so she told me that months later. And I said, God, I wish I'd known that before I took it. Um, and she said, well, they took it right off the website. They had it bitter like a matter of days. And it was gone. Just FYI. So, um, so what it's been like from March, certainly for the first three months, has been torture. It's been... Um, I, I've been shooting films I, uh, since March 1st. I think I've done uh, two or three, certainly uh, two indie features and one short film, in spite of everything, where they were nice enough to provide a bed on the set, you know, where I could lay down in between every shot. And I've kept on with my life because I can't afford to stop, right? Have yeah. To make money. And um, and so the ongoing, nothing changed, the same symptoms, vertigo, massive dizziness, inability to, like if I closed my eyes, I would not be able to walk a straight line, so lack of balance, nausea, 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 pain, uh, mostly in the head, and, um, and neck, down to my back, that's mostly where it was. Anyway, I'm sorry I, to hear that, Sally. I, I'm really sorry what you're going through. It's just terrible. Thank you. <laughs> you know, not many people believe me, Vic. Um, you may or may not know, I have, uh, for the past year, four months since the pandemic, I've had Reverend, I am a Reverend, Reverend Sally Kirkland, share a spirit on live stream every day around four o'clock. And people come from all over, and I... We pray together, you know, I do blessings like people who are very ill, we stop and we pray for them, some people have cancer, whatever. And so I never stopped that live stream, and in the course of it, I talked about the Moderna. And, and then on my Facebook page, I wrote about the Moderna. And everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people came down on me. And this has nothing to do with Moderna. Obviously, you've been sick all along. <laughs> that's um that's disappointing i mean uh, how could they know if they're not first of all if they're not medical doctors or scientists 
and they've had no access to you to give you a medical exam. Uh, it's so absurd how people react without really having the facts in their hands. If you know, I believe you. Um, I believe you. Well, they quoted verse and chapter that it must be the flu, it must be this, it must be that. And I would write, look, this is my body, this is my Facebook page. If you don't like what you're reading, don't come here. But um, you can't take my experience away from me. Absolutely. I've been, I've been going through it since March 1st. And... Um, and some people would back off, but for the most part, even close friends would come down on me. And uh, so I haven't talked to those people, Vic. I, I just like, <laughs> I've been in my own little zone. And the minute I see that on my Facebook page, I just bleed, you know. And, and or, more recently, I've put a paragraph out and said, Go to Robert Kennedy Jr. He has a lot of information on this. Go to Linda McKenzie, HealthyLife.net. She has facts, facts, facts. I, I give them information. Go to VAERS, V-A-E-R-S, you know, where I've reported it. Go any place except my Facebook page when you have no information, really. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with Oscar-nominated and Golden Globes-winning actress Sally Kirkland. I just wanted to say, you know, there might be some people who, for whatever reason, personal, uh, they react badly and such, but... My guess is that you're you're helping a lot of people by talking about it openly. They may not always give you the feedback, but uh, this is important. My guess is that there are support groups out there uh, for people who've received the vaccine and are going through similar things that you're going through. And it's such a shame that people are denied their own experience and people want to take that away from them without really having all the facts in front of them. So uh, go right ahead. You were going to talk about your fourth month. I really appreciate your straightforwardness and honesty. It helps. It helps. I'm the daughter of a journalist. My mother was fashion editor of Vogue 10 years and life 20 years. So I grew up with you guys. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so the fourth month, which we're in now, June, has gotten a little better and the nausea is better. The vertigo is still here as recently as yesterday. I had a vertigo experience. Every day I have a dizzy experience. Every day I have a pain experience. Like I said, I was up all last night with dizzy and pain. And um, so I check in with Linda McKenzie, who I wish I had her email, but anyway, she's findable. Linda McKenzie, M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E, www.healthylife.net. Anyway, um, she tells me the facts as they come in because that's her job. And she told me last week that she had information that 6,000 people had died from vaccine two. I don't know whether it was just Moderna or, or the vaccine. She said that her information is that Pfizer is slightly better. However, there's been Bell's palsy and heart problems. And that if she had to do it, she would do Johnson at this point. But she would stay very clear of Moderna. I saw a video in my first month of all of this. 
very well-spoken African-American woman, dated back to the clinical trials. I can't remember, maybe you could tell me what year that was, but it was probably, what, 2018, 19, whatnot. And, and she was saying, first in chapter, these many people died of cancer on Moderna, Pfizer, these many people got strokes, these many people had heart attacks, these many people died, and these massive amounts of people were getting autoimmune illness even 45 minutes, 45 days after taking a shot. And that was going from the beginning of the clinical trials to the date that I watched it. And all I could think about was, well, I wish I had seen this earlier. I wouldn't have taken the vaccine. But anyway, I took it. And, uh, and so what I do to survive this, I, I take um, massive amounts of vitamins. I, I swim a lot. I walk a lot. I try and exercise no matter what pain I'm in or dizziness. It's hard to walk on the pavement when you're dizzy. I, lately, I've been holding on to somebody's arm a lot, you know. I have two or three people who help me to the doctors and help me to the grocery store, and I just hold on for dear life. Uh, three nights ago, I was with a friend, and I, I remember saying, I'm falling, I'm falling. And he, he held me tight, and he said, no, no, you're okay. And I said, hold me tight, I'm falling. And, and that was some form of the vertigo, you know. Yeah. And um, so a friend of mine, she's not a, a physical friend, but she follows me online. She was having problems, and she managed to get through to the FDA, a woman named Laura Carter. And somehow she said, there's a fairly well-known actress I won't give her last name, Sally, who's had four months of torture with this. And the woman said, I want to talk to that lady. I want to do a case study on her. So she and I talked briefly Friday, very briefly, because I, I was running around. And we were to talk today. So okay. I've called her three times. That may have been her and one of the calls coming in. And she wants to do a case study for the FDA. And I was thrilled. You know, I thought, wow. I'm impressed, you know. Well, someone's interested, and plus, you get to be of service, and, uh, you know, it's just one avenue to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And, and so, um, there is an alternative health practitioner named Dr. Ed Wagner at Pacific Palisades, who I've gone to since the 70s. Legally, he's a chiropractor, but he does so much more of it. Mm -hmm. It would be hard to put into words all the modalities he works with alternatively. He works with a laser, and I, I went into him in April, and uh, he, with his laser, visibly jumped back from me. He said, I have never seen so much vaccine, let's call it residue, okay? on somebody's brain and all over your body. And I don't know how to talk this language. I'm not a healer. Sure. But he spent an hour with me with this laser in theory, getting it out of my auric field, off of my body, and um, sent me home with alternative health supplements, no drugs. And I've been safely taking three of those every day. They seem to have helped the headaches and the nausea. It sounds like you're you're doing you're so proactive and you're doing everything that you can. 
in different ways to really address this. And, you know, hopefully the, the case study and also further information, and, you know, we just hope that Moderna does the right thing and provides more information for uh, people who haven't taken it yet and people who have, like yourself, um, but it just seems like you're doing um, all the right things. Before we run out, Sally, um, I want to ask you uh, this one last question is, what would you want uh, people to know? What would you like to tell people about your experience and uh, just uh, maybe a little advice or a little message from you? I would search out Dr. Ed Wagner at Pacific Palisades doesn't mind going public because he's been treating this for months and months and months. I was there four days ago and sure enough, he said, it's back again. It's all over your brain and your neck and down to your toes. He said, I've never seen anybody with it this bad. I would do that. I would take at least 2,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day and up to 10,000 vitamin D and zinc. I would exercise, keep the body moving no matter what. I would... Um, Frankly, if I were to do it again, I would not take it. Uh, particularly, particularly, if you've ever had cancer, or like me, Epstein-Barr virus, or chronic fatigue syndrome, or any autoimmune illness which makes you more vulnerable in your immune system. We do not know what they put in these injections. Uh, in theory, the FDA was gonna approve it in 2023 or 2021. Still nobody knows. It was what an experimental code they called it. So my advice would be, now there's something happening, which I admit a lot of people aren't being able to work. They're being fired if they don't take the vaccine in the workplace. I read about this in the LA Times as recently in the last two or three days. My heart breaks. I'm very excited to see the, the Methodist Hospital where the doctors and the nurses are suing they're doing whatever they have to to not be forced to take the vaccine. And more people doing that and, and going to the press, the more we can get the information out. Well, Sally, I, I want to first, I want to wish you better health. Thank uh, you. I hope that uh, the worst is behind you. Uh, yeah. I want to commend you and thank you for being so open and public about your struggles, and I hope that um, I hope that people are more open to receiving uh, information like this. And I'm sure that uh, you've already helped a lot of people by just talking about it. And congrats on on your films. And yeah, I just want to thank you for being on the show. And if you have a, a parting thought <laughs> to share, well, when when they come, when it comes time in six months for a booster, I'm not taking it. Um, okay. And. Uh, like I said, if I had to do it again, I wouldn't have done it. But I realize a lot of my friends are being forced to do it. I have one friend who's a musician and another who's an actor. And they're not allowed on the set or in the recording studio without taking it. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of challenges that are still developing. And uh, it's too bad. Hopefully... Things will be sorted out a little bit more now that a lot of people are vaccinated. But uh, perhaps we can do a follow-up chat soon to see um, how things went and how you're feeling. Yeah, I would love to. And I, w I would just love to say the name Linda McKenzie, M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. 
www.healthylife.net. She has a, a health journalistic show. I'm not sure what time it is every day where she talks about all the facts. Right. The facts coming in on this. That's a great resource. Um, thank you again, Sally. I appreciate it and uh, hope to talk to you soon. That was actress Sally Kirkland, um, who courageously talked about the adverse side effects of Moderna that she's been going through for several months. Sally, I thank you for your for your truth, for your courage, and for being of service to so many people who'd want to hear this. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. Tune in next Monday at 6 a.m. for another episode. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami, at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. Thank you. The Blunt Post with Vic.